Welcome to Harvest Mission Community Church. You are listening to one of our sermons. I know some of us uh, are just in a spiritual journey. You might not even be a Christian. Some of you might have been a Christian, but you kind of, for whatever reason, drifted away, but you decided to come back through the invitation of some of your friends. And so we're grateful, and we're hoping that this opportunity will give you a little bit more of understanding of God's love for you. I don't think there's anything that happens by chance or coincidences, but it's God incidences where God is working in your life to show you that he has a plan and a purpose for every single one of you. Those of you who might know a little bit of the Christian tradition, especially during Easter, uh, it's been going on for several millennia, and one of the things that they would do is they would greet one another in an Easter greeting. Everyone say Easter greeting. Easter greeting. So this is how we're going to do it. So many of us don't know a little bit of the Christian history, but they've been doing this for thousands of years. And so we want to continue on in that transition or tradition so that we can greet one another in this way. So I'm going to be the first person and I'm just going to simply say Christ is risen. Okay, that's that's my part. And then all of you, your part is, he is risen indeed. Are you with me? So I'm going to say he is risen or Christ is risen. However, we'll just say he is risen. And then you say he is risen indeed. So let's kind of, I don't know, we don't have rafters here, but let's say it loud enough so (laughs) those of us who are in this place can actually hear, but also maybe to those who are out there can hear as well. All right, so are you ready? So I'm going to say the first part. Christ is risen, and then right there, and he is risen indeed. Are you ready? Okay, turn to that person next to you and say, are you ready? All right. Okay, here we go. Are you ready? Here we go. Christ is risen. Amen. Amen. Thank you for doing that. So um, we, we do want to encourage you, if you want to kind of follow along to what I'm going to be sharing today, you could download it uh, in our church app. You could just look up uh, HMCC of Hong Kong, and you could download it there. Also, uh, those of us who, you know, are thinking about just taking some of the notes, you could just jot some things down. We want to be able to be a resource for you so you can grow through the Word of God. Uh, So hopefully you've turned to that uh, in your Bible or church app, whatever you want to call it. If you have your Bible, if you don't, it's okay, but if you have a Bible, turn to John chapter 21, We're going to start from verse 1 all the way through verse 19. So John chapter 21, verse 1 through 19. And I want to just kind of, as you're finding it, I want to start off with this question. And I think this is going to help us to kind of think through what's going on in our lives, especially with this pandemic. We all know, if anything, that transpired in the last year is that we realize how important it is to be in community. That how much we need people around us. And isolation and just being by ourselves, it, it can be very hazardous to our health, our mental health, uh, our emotional health, and even just our spiritual health. And that's why we want to kind of talk about this idea of being found and what God is doing in your life. And the question is simply this. I'm wondering how many of you have ever felt that you are in a rat race, that you are literally trying to run and gain something And at the end of the day, you're finding out that you're not as happy, you're miserable, 
and in many ways you're unsatisfied. And if you just kind of think for a moment on any given day, and you were to ask yourself, why am I doing what I'm doing? Some of you are students. Why are you studying? Some of you are working, single adults. Some of you might be a mom or a dad. And so you're like, why am I doing what I'm doing? So think about this for a moment. And I want to go ask those questions to you. Why are you studying? And of course, if you're a student, you'd be like, because I want to get a good job. So then I would ask the next question, why do you want to get a good job? Uh, duh, Pastor Seth, uh, because I want to get a lot of money. So then I'm going to ask you the question, why do you want to get a lot of money? Well, that's a no-brainer because I want to get a lot of money because I want to buy a flat and a car. Then I'm going to ask, why do you want to buy a flat or a car? And those of us who are single, you know what your answer is. Because I want to get married. I want to get married. And then I'm going to ask you, why do you want to get married? Hmm. Having children, maybe. Um, start a family. Then I'll ask you, why do you want to start a family? And you'll then say, hmm, well, because I want to have children, and it's about legacy, passing things on to the next generation. And then I'm going to ask you, why do you want a, a legacy? And then you sit there and you think to yourself, well, because... I want my life to be significant and have a purpose. And then I will ask you, why do you want your life to be significant and have a purpose? Well, that's why I'm getting an education, so then I can make a lot of money. Do you see what I'm trying to say here? We get into this rat race, and it's this vicious cycle of not knowing what it is that we're called to do. And I think for many of us, we know that feeling. We're in this rat race right now. I wanted to show you this quick video that's a little bit more of a short film in like three minutes. That's an animated film that was made to kind of help us to understand about this rat race that we go through on a daily basis. So let's watch this together, shall we? Doesn't that describe the life in Hong Kong? <laughs> Perfectly. And this is the system that we're trying to operate in. We're looking for happiness. We're looking for purpose. And we're wondering where is this hope? And we're playing by the rules of the world. And it puts us in this infinite loop that we feel more and more empty, less and less satisfied and fulfilled. I think this is one of the reasons why some of us are where we are right now. Some of you, it might have described you perfectly. Some of us are going through other things in our lives. And we're wondering, where I am right now, is there hope? Not only hope for the future, but hope for change. That your life will be different. You won't be part of this rat race. That there's a greater purpose and a meaning in life. I think this is why it describes so many of us also struggling because you might have everything good on the outside and you could put on a show, the imposter syndrome where everyone thinks your life is great, but you always have to go home at night 
and you look at the mirror as you're about to retire for the night and you're brushing your teeth and you have to face yourself and you realize that deep in your heart there are a lot of different struggles that you have. And this is why Easter means so much to us. And this is the reason why Christians all over the world are celebrating this day. Listen to what Timothy Keller said in his book, The Prodigal God. I thought this described it so well. He says this, We habitually and instinctively look to other things besides God and his grace as our justification, hope, significance, and security. We believe the gospel at one level, but at deeper levels we do not. Human approval, professional success, power and influence, family and clan identity, all of these things serve as our heart's functional trust rather than what Christ has done. And as a result, we continue to be driven to a great degree by fear, anger, and a lack of self-control. We cannot change such things, though uh, through mere willpower, through learning biblical principles and trying to carry them out. Can I just pause here for a moment? There are some of you who have been so churched. And you're trying to do more church stuff, more religious stuff, and thinking somehow that it's going to change you. I'm not saying that reading the Bible and prayer is not, it's a bad thing. No, they're great. But some of you, you're trusting in your ability to do those things rather than trusting in Christ and the gospel. That's what Tim Keller is trying to communicate. And then listen to what he says. We can only change permanently as we take the gospel more deeply into our understanding and into our hearts, we must feed on the gospel, as it were, digesting it and making it part of ourselves. That is how we grow. That's why it's my hope that today as you hear this talk, as I'm sharing with you, that somehow you will begin to understand the importance of this gospel message and why Jesus Christ had to die and then on the third day, he rose again from the dead. And that's why all over the world, Christians are celebrating Easter. So as you heard from Pastor Bo, we're going to go into this three-part series. I'm going to talk about, in part one, this idea of found hope that can only be found in Jesus Christ. And then next week, we're going to talk about found family. That many of you who have a lot of dysfunctions in the home. But God has allowed us to be a part of a spiritual family. It's going to be really encouraging for you. And then the week after that, part three, we're going to talk about the found purpose, to live for something that is greater than ourselves. And so we're going to talk about that. I pray that you will continue to come out and join us for those things. So let me just kind of put this whole message that I'm going to share with you in just one thing, just simply the one thing that I want you to remember. If there's anything that you will remember or if you forget everything, at least remember this one thing. And the one thing is simply this. It's up there. You could just read along with me. The resurrection hope is found as Jesus turns our lives around. That the resurrection hope is found as Jesus turns our lives around. So as we think about this one thing, I want to kind of dissect this John chapter 21 and help you to see what it is that God is trying to speak to us about through the story about Peter. Some of you are familiar with this story, but hopefully you will look at it with a new lens. The first thing that I want to mention is this, as we think about how the resurrection hope is found 
as we look to Jesus and trust in him because he's the one who could turn our lives around. The first thing is this, that Jesus reminds us of our purpose. That's how he begins to work in our lives. He starts using our memory. He uses our experiences from the past to stir us once again about the purposes in our lives. I'm going to go ahead and read verse 1 through 3. We're just going to try to take uh, these verses one at a time. And as we look at it together, I hope that you could see some of the things that God is trying to speak to you about right at this moment. So let me go ahead and uh, read verses 1 through one through 3. It says this. And if, if you don't have a Bible, I, I think it's up there so you can kind of follow along. It says this. After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to them, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Let's just pause here because I want to set up the story so you understand how God reminds us of our purpose and that he uses our memory. He uses our experience, things from the past to help us to see that the resurrection hope can truly turn our lives around. You have to remember that Jesus already appeared to the disciples. This is not the first time. Because if you look at all the other gospel messages, you will see that Jesus appeared to the disciples already. And in fact, if you look at verse 14, if you quickly look at verse 14, just of chapter 21 of the book of John, it says this. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. So this story that we're talking about, this is now going to be the third time that Jesus appears to the disciples. Now, pause here for a moment and ask yourself, what is the significance of the Sea of Tiberias we just read? And those of you who are astute and you know your Bible history, you will know that the Sea of Tiberias is the same as the Sea of Galilee. It's they just use different names depending on which region it is. But the Sea of Tiberias is the Sea of Galilee. Now, why is that significant? Because if you know the gospel story, the first thing is that Jesus actually told the disciples to go to Galilee and wait for him there. So this was purely out of obedience to what Jesus said, that they are here, not in Jerusalem, but now they're in Galilee. The second thing I think is important for you to understand is this. It was at the Sea of Galilee where the disciples first met Jesus, and that's where everything got started. See, Do you see God working? He could have sent them anywhere. But he says, go to Galilee and wait for me there. Why? And that's the question that's begging us right now to answer. Why did he send them to the Sea of Galilee? Now, as you know, as I mentioned just several seconds ago, this is the place where Jesus called Peter, James, John to follow him. It was a place where Jesus gave them a specific purpose in life. This story can be a backdrop of Luke chapter 5. I'm going to read verse 10b, the second half of it. Listen to what it says. It says, don't be afraid. From now on, you will be what? Come on, say this with me. Fishing for people. That's a purpose. Because there were fishermen 
And then after Jesus performed this miracle, Peter was like, go away from me. I'm a sinful man. And he goes, you've been fishing for fish all your whole life. But now from this point on, you are going to be a fisher of men or of people. So after going through everything that the disciples experienced in Jerusalem. Now, just this is not too long because Jesus was here on this earth for 40 days. So about a month and a half during this time, he appeared. Now this is the third time appearing to the disciples. So all within that time, you have to understand in Jerusalem, there was an uproar. There was a crucifixion. They were afraid because the Jewish people were after them. The government was trying to find them. And so you could imagine what they went through just during that time in Jerusalem. And so in the midst of all this, we see that he, they are sent to Galilee. And let me just kind of give a little precursor. And the reason was for Peter. That this appearance of Jesus Christ in Galilee was supposed to be for Peter. In verse 3, we notice that Peter tells the other disciples that he's going to go fishing. And the other disciples, who were about six of them, decided to say, hey, we're going to go too. Look at verse 3b again. And I love this. This is where you see the scriptures connecting together. It says, they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught what? Everyone say it. Nothing. Man, this is so similar to the first time when Jesus met the disciples at the Sea of Galilee. Luke chapter 5, verse 5a. This is Simon Peter. He says, Master, we worked hard all last night and did not catch a thing. Isn't that amazing? That God literally is setting Peter up and these other disciples who are with him to remember a time three some years back when they were first called with the purpose that they were going to be fishers of men. And it was a time where they were out at night. And right here, you will notice it's at night. They went out fishing, same like Luke chapter 5. They caught nothing, just like Luke chapter 5. So the question is, why is Jesus doing this? It's because he wants to remind them of their purpose. Now, if you would just kind of follow along with me for a moment, because I want to talk about this reminder of Peter's purpose, why it's important for us. Jesus, what he's doing, and he's, he's going to do it in your life as well, is that he is trying to inspire Peter to remember. He's trying to, he's not yelling at him. He's not rebuking him for the mistake that he's made, but he's trying to inspire him to remember. Look at verse 4 through 8. Will you just read this next section and just kind of follow along? Listen to what it says. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it. And now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, it is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. 
The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. Do you see what's happening? Literally, this is the same timeline of what was happening in Luke chapter 5. And everything that happened and that's happening right now in this story, Jesus is telling the disciples to cast the net. That happened in chapter 5 again. Once again, fruitless night of no fish. And then they caught a large number of fish, just like Luke chapter 5. You can study it on your own. You'll be amazed of the parallel. All these things were done, listen to me, because Jesus is trying to inspire Peter to remember. Not only remember his power, but to remember your purpose. And this is when the apostle John, the one that Jesus loved, he recognized it was Jesus. And he says, it's the Lord. And Peter, the ever so impulsive one, put on his garment and he just jumped in. And he started swimming towards shore. I think in many ways, God is constantly trying to inspire you to remember. I think it could be anything from his faithfulness to his goodness that we don't deserve. I remember just thinking about my own life. I'm so thankful that in the 80s, now you know how old I am. Okay, so you could kind of do the math. In the 1980s, there, there was a move of the spirit in Chicago where there was almost like a revival amongst the youth. And it was powerful. We, we went to these large camps, these, they call it retreats, these Christian retreats. And we will go there, we'll be singing these kinds of songs and we're just worshiping. And then we'll hear the word of God. And there will be these prayer times. And I don't know why, they always dim the lights. So I will always get spooked out. As some of you know, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. So they turned down the lights and I'm like, what's going on? At first I thought it was a movie, but then there was no movie. It was just weird piano music in the background. And I'm like, what's happening? But God was moving so powerfully that literally I remember just weeping many times just from prayer times, from the worship time. It was one of those pivotal moments of my spiritual journey. Many of these retreats. Fast forward 20 some years later. And one of the beautiful things that God just has a way of doing it. There was this one retreat center that many of the churches in Chicago would go to back in the day. And I was invited to speak because by this time I was a pastor and I was invited to speak at this retreat, this campground. And I remember as soon as I started driving there, I was just thinking, wow, I cannot believe it. The very place that I encountered God, God is now allowing me to be the guest speaker to speak to the next generation. And as I was driving there, I was thinking about those great memories. And then once I got there, I remember like. They got some new buildings, but they got some old ones, too. They didn't touch it. I still remember. Like some of the places we did um, not-so-holy things. You know, we were doing crazy things. But as I was walking around, I'm just like, just flood of memories started coming back. Thinking about all the things that God did in my life. Because he was trying to inspire me to remember. Some of you... He's trying to do that right now. 
whether you've drifted away, maybe you still come out to church or life group, but your heart is just hard. And so God sometimes sends somebody. Sometimes he plays that old song. You know what I'm talking about? That one song you were always like <sighs> crying. And then, I don't know, the praise leader decides, I'm gonna, we're going to sing this old song today. And they start singing it, and you're like, ah. He's trying to inspire you to remember. Sometimes it might be an, an older brother or sister in Christ, a mentor or a discipler that you happen to come across and meet after maybe 20 years later. He's trying to inspire you to remember. And when he's inspiring you, that's a sign. Listen to me carefully. It is a sign that God wants you to return because he's trying to find you wherever you are. Here's another thought that I thought was interesting here as we're talking about how God or Jesus reminds us about our purpose. Not only is he trying to inspire Peter but to remember, but another thing you'll notice here, and this is, this is good, he invites Peter to community. Will you read verse 9 through 13? And you'll see this. It says this. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went, abroad, went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were many, the net was not torn. Verse 12, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared to ask, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. And so with the fish. You have to remember that Jesus, or excuse me, Peter denied Jesus and all the disciples ran away. Because they were thinking about themselves, they were afraid. What was happening in Jerusalem, especially with the arrest of Jesus, as he was arrested in that night, he was crucified the next day. And so they were scared out of their minds. The part that I think we have to put ourselves into this situation is, can you imagine the guilt and the shame that Peter and the other disciples felt when they recognized it was Jesus? Now, even the imagery of the fire with the burning coals, we've just read this. It's such a powerful imagery. Do you know why? Where did Peter deny Jesus? It was around the fire with the coals. When that little lady said, hey, aren't, aren't you a Galilean? You're with that Jesus of Nazareth. He goes, I was not, woman. I was not. He goes, you, yes, I could tell from your accent. I go, woman, I told you I was not with them. This was all around a fire. So here's Jesus burning this coal, already having food, and he says, come and have breakfast. The power of this is that coming together to share a meal oftentimes in scripture and even in our culture here in Asia, a lot of times it's table fellowship. It's breaking bread together. It's about connecting with people. So that's what Jesus was doing. So not only was he inspiring Peter to remember, but he was inviting him to be in community. 
I think some of us in this room, I don't think it's too far-fetched to say that some of you have been hurt by the church. Some of you might have been hurt by Christians. I know I have growing up uh, in just trying to understand this Christian faith. What I did not like is Christians who act so holy on Sundays, but then on Monday through Saturday, they live the same life that I do. Sinful, struggling with different things. But then when they go on Sunday, they all act spiritual, and then they start judging other people. And I remember hating that with such a passion, because to me, that was hypocrisy. You have no right to judge me when I look at your life. You're not any better than me. And so some of us in this room, that might be you, that you have gone through hurt or different conflicts. Can I just challenge you? that oftentimes when Jesus invites you into community, it's with messy people. Can I get all of us who are believers in Jesus Christ, you're part of life group, can we all confess that our lives are pretty messy? Can I get a good amen to that? Some of you still don't think you're messy. Okay, well, 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 just hold on. We're all broken people, messy people, being in community. So we're going to hurt each other. That's why we don't look at people around us. You're going to look at Christ. How about us this morning as we think about this? Is Jesus doing something in your life to remind you of this kind of hope that he wants to give to you? And he's doing it by inspiring you to remember. He's doing it by inviting you into relationship with him. What are some things that God is using right now to remind you of your purpose? Let me close with the second point. That Jesus reminds us not only of our purpose, but you know what he does? He restores us to our purpose. So he reminds us of our purpose, but he also restores us to our purpose. Let me go ahead and read verse 15 through 17. We're continuing the story, and many of you know this part really well. It says this, when they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, tend or shepherd my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Now, Peter was grieved because he asked him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. It's amazing that when you read the story, just in, in continuation from verse 1 through 14, that after they finished breakfast, that's when Jesus brings up these three important questions. Now, just think about this for a moment. <laughs> Some of you have been to those family dinners, and it's going really well for the first three minutes. Until they go, do you have a boyfriend yet? And you're like, ah, oh, and it's downhill. You know what I'm talking about. You're having 
dinner, and all the family members are gathering around. And they're sharing what that cousin and that, you know, nephew and all that stuff. And then your mom turns over to you and says, what are you doing with your life? You don't even have a job. You know how it works. And as soon as you're about to eat that chow, you're like, yeah. Right after breakfast, Jesus asked Peter these three poignant questions. In fact, these three questions are so sharp that it pierces the heart of Peter. And Jesus asked him, do you love me or not? Now, one thing we have to think about is the previous appearances that Jesus, as he revealed himself to the disciples, now, like I said before, Jesus appeared, this is the third time, so that means there were two other times that he appeared to the disciples and also to Peter. In fact, if you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 5, listen to what it says. And that he appeared to whom? Peter. And then to the twelve. Huh. But the question we have to ask ourselves is, did Jesus talk to Peter about that situation? Or did Peter talk to Jesus and say, sorry, I ditched you. But, I mean, can you imagine what was going on here? <laughs> As I was thinking about this, I go, no, no, maybe they're like the Asian family. Because you don't talk about it. Problems, issues, but you don't talk about it. That's how it was in my family growing up. Those of you who don't know, because I'm, I'm Korean-American. And those of you who don't know the Korean American culture, more the Korean culture, is you don't bring up these things. You kind of put it under the carpet. Let me tell you a little secret of the Korean culture. And I'm, I'm pretty sure it's the Chinese culture, Hong Kong culture, or whatever culture you're from. Um, minus the West. But anyway, maybe at the West too. But this is how it works. They do something, or you do something, and you feel shameful, so you don't talk to each other. You avoid each other. And you try to time it so that when they get up, you're still laying down. And then when they're out, that's when you get up. You know, you, you want to avoid. It's called avoidance. Okay, those of you are like, how does he know? Trust me, I've been, I, I, I've been around. I, I'm old. <laughs> so after the avoidance, guess what happens? You, you start feeling bad. Oh, gosh. Like, do you think... I screwed up. I don't know what to say to them. Should I go? I'm sorry. You, you debate and debate. And then finally, your mom says, come down and eat. That word eat means you suffered long enough. Come, let us be reconciled together. <laughs> That's what it means. So I was thinking, here's Peter who messed up big time. Here's Jesus thinking, should I just rebuke this guy? I've been rebuking him for the last three years. Should I rebuke him? Satan, get behind me. Remember, remember that's what Jesus said to Peter? Too bad that it doesn't say. So all we can do is speculate. And we don't want to do that. But all we know is, did they have the talk? Did they not? We don't know. But all we know is what's happening next. And this is the part that's powerful. I would like to suggest it would be really awkward if you don't talk about how you denied him and then he got crucified and died. 
I'm pretty certain they probably talked about it. So then the question is, why did he ask the question and why did he do it publicly? Listen to me. It's because there needed to be a restoration relationally and publicly. Peter denied Jesus publicly. Peter then relationally broke that trust. And because of that, Jesus is thinking about Peter. What will help him to be restored in the things that Jesus had for him? That's why, listen to, this is, this is good, this is really important. This is why, if you read it carefully again, the significance of not calling him Peter, what does he call him? Come on, everyone's, what does he call him? Simon, son of John, which was his name before he met Jesus. Are you with me? Come on, can I get a good amen to that? He didn't say, hey, Pete, hey, Pete, 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 come over here, man. I know you screwed up. Those of you who don't know the American culture, when parents call your full name, your middle name as well, you're in trouble. <laughs> Some of you are like, that's what they do in Hong Kong. <laughs> if they put your last name first and then, you know, your Chinese name and then your winky, pinky, whatever, you know. Uh, then you're in trouble. But here's Jesus, doesn't call him Peter, Pete. He calls him Simon, son of John. Because that was his previous life before meeting Jesus Christ. In Luke chapter 5, when he was a fisherman, didn't catch anything all night. And then Jesus says, why don't you cast the net over to the other side? And he goes, Jesus, we've been fishing all night. Pretty much translation, Dude, you're a carpenter. I'm a fisherman. My dad was a fisherman. My dad's dad was a fisherman. And all the way to Adam and Eve. I don't know. Uh, we're fishing. I've been doing this for a long time. But then he says, because you say so. And he does. And he draws this huge amount of fish. He falls to the ground and goes, go away from me, Lord. I'm unworthy. Realizing that this man was completely different. Why did he call him? Simon, son of John, and does not call him Peter because this is the reason. Listen, the word Peter, Caiaphas, the name Peter in the Greek means what? Rock. And in this moment of denial, when Jesus was about to get crucified, he was nothing but a rock. He was unstable. He was wishy-washy, going back and forth. So what Jesus was doing was to tell him, this is who you are, Simon, son of John. When you're by yourself, in your own strength, your own power. But you can only be Peter if you understand grace and my love for you. And he said, Simon, son of John, how many times? Three times. It is the time when we see Jesus brings us to a place and he helps us to see all the brokenness and the ugliness of our hearts. That is the moment that we can actually receive his grace. 
The problem in the church is that we have too many self-righteous people thinking that they deserve this grace, deserve this mercy, deserve this forgiveness, and that's why you are spiritually proud. And there are so many stories in the gospel that talk about that when that Pharisee said, oh, thank you that I'm not like this person. But that sinful man, it says he couldn't even look up into the sky. He was beating his breath and chest and he was like saying, have mercy upon me. Because he realized he didn't deserve it. And listen to me, God right now, he is doing something in your life to help you to see some of that ugliness and brokenness in your life. Not to shame you. Not to humiliate you, but to help you to see I need something outside of myself. I cannot save myself. I cannot rescue myself. And when you come to that moment of brokenness, that you cannot do anything in your own power. You can have a good facade and fool a lot of people, but you cannot fool God. And he sees you. And he sees that brokenness. He sees that sinfulness. But yet, instead of banishing you away, he loves you. And in fact, just look at the cross. That should have been us hanging on the cross, paying the penalty of sin. But what did he do? He was our substitute. He took our place. He took our sins, and he gave us his righteousness. This is the reason that he wants us to be repentant so that he can restore us. Just let me read this passage. I think this is going to be helpful. Acts chapter 3, verse 19 through 20. You know this verse in the ESV. In the yellow section, will you just read it out loud with me? It says this, Repent, therefore, and turn back, that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, and that he may send the Christ appointed for you, Jesus. Listen to what it says in the Amplified Version, and it'll give you a little deeper understanding as I'm talking about restoring us back to our purpose. It says, so repent, change your inner self, your old way of thinking, regret past sins, and return to God. Seek his purpose for your life so that your sins may be wiped away, blotted out, completely erased, so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord, restoring you. Like a cool wind on a hot day. Mm. You guys know what that feels like. Some of you are like, oh my God, I can feel the Hong Kong summer is coming. You better believe it. Some of you might have to wear different types of stuff around and clothing, everything. Because you know when that sweat just starts coming down. But you know what I'm talking about? When you're walking from the end, you're so hot. And all of a sudden you step into the mall. What happens? Jesus, like you feel like you're in heaven. That refreshing, that's what he's talking about. Like a cool wind on a hot day and that he may send to you Jesus the Christ who has been appointed for you. How awesome is that? This is the reason why he's exposing the things of your life, the broken things, not to shame you. He wants to refresh you. He wants to restore you to the things that he's created you for. That's why what we need to do, as God is already working, what we need to do is to respond to him, and that is through repentance. And after asking each of these three questions, Peter responds by simply saying what? Yes, Lord, you know that I love you. That response was for the first two questions. The third question, we see a different response. 
I love verse 17 because that all of us can relate. <laughs> it's like that little kid goes, Daddy, do you love me? Yeah, I, I love you. Do you really love me? Yes, I love you. Do you really? And I'm going to be like, come here, little kid. <laughs> Lift them up, swing them around. They're like, ah, okay, you love me, <laughs> you know? Like, listen to what Peter says. He says what? The third time, and he says, Peter was what? Hurt. This is what it says in New Living Translation. The Passion Translation says that Peter was saddened. Jesus, you asked me two times already. Now you're asking a third time. Oh. He was hurt. But listen, Jesus was actually healing. You know why? Because as many of you know, the three times that he denied Jesus, these are the three opportunities to confess publicly that he loves Jesus with all the people around him who knew that Peter denied Jesus three times. We have to remember that we cannot love God on our own strength or power. That's within our nature to rebel against God and to make ourselves into our own God. That's why listen to what R.C. Sproul said in his book, The Holiness of God. This is good. Listen to this. He says, loving a holy God is beyond our moral power. The only kind of God that can love by our, we can love by our sinful nature is an unholy God, an idol made by our own hands. Wow, I thought that was good. Just pause there for a moment. In our own moral will and power, we are not able to love a holy God. If you do love a God in your own moral power, it's probably an idol. Wow, it's like we're that sinful and that tainted with sin. It goes on and says this, unless we are born in the spirit of God, unless God sheds his holy love in our hearts, unless he stoops down and in his grace to change our hearts, we will not love him. To love a holy God requires grace. Grace strong enough, strong enough to pierce our hardened hearts and awaken our mobile soul. What he's simply saying is this, in your own desire to love God, it's going to fall short. But when God stirs your heart, he's speaking to you, he's working, he's bringing people that you didn't even know and didn't even expect. He's bringing circumstances where things are out of your control. But to remind you of your relationship with he's inviting you into community. He is inspiring you to remember all the things that he has done in your life. And when he's working in this way, because it's not so that he could punish you, but he's trying to restore you back to your purpose. The very thing that he called you back in Luke chapter 5, when he says, Simon, son of John, when he was so lost. He says, you will no longer be called Simon, son of John. You are Peter. That's exactly what God is doing to us as we remember and as he restores us. And from Peter's response, God commissions Peter. I'm not going to have time to read it pretty much. He says, you, when you were young, you, someone fed you, closed you. But when you get older, there's going to be things that you're going to do. And he was prophesying about being crucified on the cross. And as you know the history, because during Nero, the emperor of Rome, it was one of the harshest emperors during that time in history. 
that he crucified and he ended up killing so many Christians, put them in the gladiator games where lions would come and eat them up. There were people who were martyred for their faith because they trusted in this Jesus Christ. And he says that one day the way you die will glorify God. It's going to glorify God. Man, he's saying, I'm going to bring you back to your purpose. But even that, it's going to be a new purpose because you were a fisherman of people. Now I'm going to make you a shepherd for the sheep. That's what God does. If you could humble yourself to see what God is doing, he will restore you back to that purpose and even greater things. How about us this morning? Do you have the spirit of repentance? What are some things that God is trying to restore in your life? That's why this is the beauty of the gospel. The gospel is very simple. That you and I, we were rebellious against God. Why? Because we wanted to live our own lives and do what we want to do apart from God. We broke fellowship. We denied him in so many different ways. But God, in his mercy and his grace, even though while we were yet sinners, the Bible tells us that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. Why? Because he's trying to restore us back to that relationship with him. To give us this hope that no other person or no other thing in this world can give you. That's why he's doing what he's doing. To help you to see that. And as he's restoring some of these things, he's reminding you of that purpose. And that's why Jesus came. Died on the cross for your sins and my sins. We could not live this perfect life. If we could have, we didn't need Jesus, but we can't. There are sins of omission, things that we should do that we don't do, so we are guilty. And there are things that we should not do and that we do that is sin of commission. We commit those sins, so we keep on falling short. That's why we cannot save ourselves. So until the Spirit of God works in our hearts and we then respond, times of refreshing will come. The air-conditioned mall will come. That you will be like, God, forgive me of my sins and I believe that you died on the cross for my sins and I believe that you died and rose again from the dead that's why we're celebrating what we're celebrating through the songs of the message everything we're doing it's about the resurrection of Jesus Christ God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son I pray that you will put your trust and your faith in him so the one thing once again is the resurrection hope is found as Jesus turns our lives around I wanted to close out with this video that kind of uh, shares a little bit. I don't know how many of you know Olivia Ong. Uh, she's a Singaporean uh, singer, actress. And uh, there was an outreach they did for the whole city of Singapore. And there were a lot of famous people, famous actors and actresses who are believers. They started sharing their testimony. And she shares her testimony. And it was very powerful because she said ever since she was young, there was words spoken to her that impacted her until God helped her to see that he has something greater. And once she put her hope and faith in Jesus Christ, things turned around. I, wanna, I want you to listen and watch from her story and put everything together. That sometimes in the midst of where we are, God wants to meet you. And I pray that he will remind you of your purpose and restore you to that purpose for his glory. And then afterwards, 
We're going to have a time of response. And I want everyone to participate. So just for about three and a half minutes, I want you to just watch this testimony of Olivia Ong. So let's watch this together. Amen. Do you know that every single one of us are a white sheet of paper? But the problem is that many of us are trying to write our own stories of success, prestige, certain GPA, certain job, title. And you're writing volumes of books because all the time and energy you're spending. But the problem is it will never fill your heart. It will never fully satisfy. This is the reason why some of us constantly feel hopeless, unsatisfied, unfulfilled. Maybe we need to let go of that pen and with the remaining white sheets of paper, let God finish that story. Let him write it. That's why he's trying to remind you of the purpose. That's why he's trying to restore you. He wants to restore you to that purpose. That's something that's bigger than yourself. But in order for you to be, get there, you got to be able to humble yourself and say, God, I, I'm not you. I'm not God. I can't do this by myself. I need you. And I want to take this first step of faith. Some of us, you've been a Christian for a while. And do you get this nagging feeling as a Christian that somehow like something is not right? You know all the stuff, but you just look at your life and it's a mess. This is where the inconsistency, because you know a lot, but it hasn't come down. That's why they always say there's a lot of people who are not saved who go to church. Why? Because you have all this information that has not been appropriated down to your heart. So we're eight inches away from salvation. Maybe you've been to church for a long time, but you've never said, God, I'm going to take the step of faith to fully trust in you. Just going to church doesn't make you a Christian. You need that personal relationship with Christ. And I believe that even coming here today, that is part of God's plan. To trigger your memory, to help you to think, to restore you. And what better time than any other time in this year, and especially during this pandemic crazy year what better time to make a decision to follow jesus christ this is what we're going to do i want all of us to pull out our phones if we can and if you don't have one um i don't know if there's another way we're going to do this is there do we have a, a form a, a different way no i think uh, we're, we're just assuming that all of you have phones some of you are still using like these uh, flip phones you know, drug dealers, mafia guys, they use that too. So anyway, uh, <laughs> burner phones, right? Uh, so there's a QR code. If you could just quickly scan that. And we want everyone to participate because we're going to do something at the end that I think is going to be just a really good visual for all of us. So there's a QR code. And what we're going to ask you to do is just fill out your name. And there's some information there. And then as you go and fill this out there's going to be some pages that you'll see it so you'll, you'll look up here if you want to and so there's going to be choices 
and we want to kind of give you those opportunities to respond. You could check one, two, or how many that applies to you. The first one is pretty much what you're saying is, I will be found by Jesus, who is my Lord and Savior. So what you're saying is, Pastor, I want to take that first step of becoming a believer in Jesus Christ. If you've never done that, we would love for you to be able to check that off. And we want you to be a part of the family of God. Some of us were saying, I want to uh, recommit back to Christ. And pretty much what you're saying is, I've drifted away, Pastor. But after hearing, I realized God brought me here because he wanted to remind me, restore me back to my purpose. You could check that off if you're feeling that. The other one is, I will lead someone found uh, to find others. So as you've been found, you're going to try to find other people. So what, this is pretty much, you want to share your faith with other people. And the other one is, I want to commit to praying for someone to be found. Because we can't do this by ourselves. God has to do it. So you want to commit to prayer. And then it says, I want to get more information and get connected to our church or life group. If some of you are new, you can check that off. Or if Scott spoke to you some other way, there's that little other section that you have there. So go ahead, as I'm talking to you, just go ahead and fill that out. And then at the bottom, the last thing, and so you will notice here, if, if, look at the next screen. It says, once I was, and then blank. You could fill whatever it is, so it could be like, I was lost. I was hopeless. I was angry. Or I was in bondage to these things. You just put in a word. And then now because of Jesus, I am what? Pretty much the opposite of that. I'm hopeful. I'm set free. And the reason why we want you to fill this last section out is because we're going to do a word cloud. And so that you'll see other people in this room and maybe some of you who are watching online and in the other room. As you fill this out, you're going to see everyone who's participating in this Easter celebration. You will see their response. And may it encourage you that you're not alone. There are other people who are struggling and going through things. But because the hope that comes from Jesus Christ, the resurrection hope that is found, that's what's going to turn our life around. That's how good God is. And that's how worthy he is of our worship. So if you can right now, just hopefully all of you have done that. Uh, I think they're trying to process it right now in real life time. So we can look at the word cloud and just look at some of the testimonies. So the first thing that you will notice is I was once what? Uh, are we ready? Do we need more time? I think we need some more time. Some of you guys just go ahead and fill that out. We're going to try to do it as quickly as possible. And as you, as you look at that, you're going to see just different things that people are struggling with different things that are going on. Even though it's not everybody, let, let's go ahead and just see what we have so far. Can we do that? Is it working? After a Zoom for a whole year, <laughs> you're like, just give me a pencil and a paper. <laughs> No more technology. <laughs> Can we see it or no? Communicate with me. Yes? One. One second, one hour, one minute. 
One minute, okay. Let me share your story. Uh, some of you know, as I mentioned earlier, I, I wasn't brought up in a Christian home. And if I could kind of summarize my story, I'll just summarize it by saying God's faithfulness. None of my family members were believers. But when I was in eighth grade, 13 years old, I was getting caught by the police. Not once, not twice, but three times. So at this moment, my parents were thinking, we're going to either have a, a, a gangster, uh, we're going to have a robber or a thief in our home. And so in that fear, they sent me off to this camp. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I don't want to go to this camp. And I remember going to losers, you know, they're like, hello. And I'm just like, oh, my God. I'm like, I don't belong here. But just we were just kind of eating together. And you know how they do all this stuff together. So you're like, I'm sick of you. But then after a while, they grow on you. Like, hey, what's going on, man? And then the last night, they actually shared the gospel about Jesus Christ. And as you were sharing the gospel, I'm like, he doesn't even know what I did in my life. And then the preacher, as soon as I thought that, he goes, some of you are thinking, Pastor, you don't know what, you're, what I've done in my life. And I'm like, whoa, 13 years old. That was like, God just right in front of me. I'm like, whoa. So I began to listen. And he shared the gospel. And that was the first time I actually heard about Jesus Christ. Little did I know, fast forward eight some years, I was a junior in college, and I felt God was telling me to be a pastor. And I'm like, no, Lord, you're going to be poor. You're not going to get married. You know, I, I'm like, no, why, why, why? I have these dreams of being in Wall Street, you know, driving the BMW and that nice penthouse. But God arrested my heart, and I said, okay, Lord, I'm going to surrender. I go back home trying to tell my mom. And my dad, that I feel like God is calling me to be a pastor. None of our family members, from the history all the way to the Manchuria days. I don't know, all the way back. In our whole genealogy, there was no pastor. Doctors, lawyers, all judges, all that stuff. And I told my mom. And she was silent for about five some seconds. And she goes, it's coming true. And I'm like, what do you mean it's coming true? She said, eight years ago, I was doing my math. Oh, eighth grade, 13 years old. I had a dream. And in that dream, you and I were walking on a road. And then there was a man in a black outfit riding a black cow. Black was in back then, you know what I'm saying? And so I'm like, whoa. And that man approached us. This is my mom telling the story. The man approached us, and he told me to pray. So my mom, she says she got on her knees. In the dream, she got on her knees. She prayed. And she said after she prayed, she looked up in the sky. There was a big rainbow from the east to the west. And right in the middle of the rainbow, there was a huge cross. And she woke up from the dream. She was not a believer. She was startled. Next day, she goes to work. And she knew that there were some Christians at her workplace. And she said, you know what? I had a dream last night. And she began to tell the story. Black, you know, black outfit, black cow, rainbow, cross in the middle and then lady she goes oh my god that means you have to give your son to the ministry <laughs> all I know is when I go to heaven 
I'm going to look for that woman, whoever she is. She planted a seed in my mom. I remember next Sunday when every young kid wants to get up late on Sundays to watch some cartoons and stuff and just chill. She wakes me up and she says, Seth, we're going to, we're going to get, get dressed. We're going somewhere. I'm like, where are we going? Church. Uh -huh. And so she literally dragged me to church that Sunday after she had that dream. And as they say, the rest is history. That's the faithfulness of God. I was lost, but now I'm found. I could tell another story. You guys need a little bit more? Okay, we're ready to go. Sorry. <laughs> I think this is my gift. I just love talking. So anyway, let's see though. I was what? This is good. This is what happens when we live for ourselves. And without God, broken, lost, insecure, confused, alone, striving, selfish, myself, incomplete, hopeless, empty. But because of Jesus Christ, come on, because of him, now we are what? There's hope, we're found, we're free, there's love. Come on, let's give the Lord an applause. Can we just do that? Amen. God is so good. He's good. I'm going to ask us right now, if you could just stand. We're going we're gonna to close out here. Thank you for being patient and just listening to my stories. I was stalling. <laughs> I hope I did a good job. <laughs> if I can invite us. Just for a moment, just as you're standing, can you just bow your heads for a moment? Just close your eyes. And as we heard in that testimony in the video, God is writing your story. Don't give him a paper that's filled with your stuff already. Give him the blank pages. Let him write what that story is. And I am 100% certain because he has done it in my life. He has done it in so many other people's lives. I've seen it in almost a lot, in many continents, many countries, that the same God who has worked in my life is the same God who could work in your life. He wants to give you this hope, the resurrection hope that is found, that has ability to turn your life around because Jesus Christ I pray that some of you have taken that step. If you didn't fill it up, but you still feel moved to do that, will you let that person know that you invited you? Say, hey, that guy was saying some stuff up there, and I'm like, it made sense to me, and I want to take this. It doesn't mean you have everything figured out. It doesn't mean you have all your theology straightened out. No, it's just you're saying, I want to take this step of faith. And you're going to have to keep on growing, explore and learn. But you want to take this step of faith. You're drawing a line in the sand. And that's what we want you to do. To the rest of us who are believers, can I just challenge us? As we say in our church all the time, what do we say? Found people, find people. You know why? Because that's what D.T. Nile said. I love his quote. He said, Christianity, Christianity is one beggar telling another beggar where to find the bread. That's Christianity. We're all beggars. 
fallen short of the glory of God. But then we found the bread, the bread of life. And we're eating of it and we're full and we have so much joy and love, peace that we've never had before, hope that we have never had before. And so now we're trying to show, find other beggars and say, the food is over here. The bread is over here. It's found in Jesus. I challenge all of us who are believers. Don't just be satisfied and eat and enjoy for yourself. There are many people who are hungry, thirsting for community, need Jesus Christ. I pray that you'll find them because you yourself have been found. I'm going to ask us for one minute, just in not too long. Can we pray and say, God, may this resurrection hope, may I live with great confidence in it that you're going to be able to change me and help me to reach out to others who are feeling hopeless during this pandemic. Let's be a salt and light and shine brightly for Jesus Christ. Can we just do that? Some of you represent a campus, a college, pray for that. Those of you in your workplace, pray for your workplace. Even as we go after the holidays, let's just lift it up and pray. God, help me to reach out for your glory. Let's pray together. invite us if you don't feel too uncomfortable can you just lift your hands to God as a sign of surrender as a sign of receiving the blessings that he's going to pour into your life right now so father with uplifted hands we just want to surrender we give up Lord we've tried so hard on our own and it's it's a mess and it's getting worse we can't do this on our own we need you to come and intervene be our hope be our joy, be our peace, be our love that we're seeking after. And I pray that as you fill us, that there'll be a great sense of purpose. We repent, Lord, of all those things that get in the way. We pray for the times of refreshing, that it will come, restore us, renew us, and remind us, Lord, that every day is a gift. And we want to live boldly for your namesake. So, Lord, I do pray that you will remind us of our purpose and restore us to that purpose as we trust in this resurrection power that can be found in you and you alone as you will start the work of turning our lives around. Only you can do it for your namesake. In Jesus' name, amen. Will you just worship with us and as we close out of here. Thank you for listening to the Harvest Mission Community Church Podcast. For more information, visit our website at hongkong.hmcc.net.